Good morning, church. My name is Jamie. Maybe you've seen me before. Um, but actually, I'm not supposed to be the preacher today. I'm the substitute preacher. Uh, Brookie was going to preach, but he is under the weather. So let's pray for Brookie and Jen right, right now. And uh, actually, for everyone who's kind of sick right now. Lord, we thank you for our family and our friends. We are so blessed. Will you please go to the ones who are sick right now and fill them with your healing and uh, restore them to the way that you made them to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So we are inching ever closer to Christmas, right? That's like six days away. I don't like thinking about that. Because um, I'm not <laughs> but we're still in Advent right now. This is the fourth week. And um, as we've been talking about, Advent's a season of waiting. It's a season of hope. And um, these past couple weeks, we've been looking back at what the prophets wrote to see how God's people uh, were to wait on him to send the Messiah. And it gives us hope because we see that God kept his promise, right? He kept his promise to his people. And he sent Jesus Christ, his son, our Lord, to save and redeem the world. And we've talked a lot about biblical hope, right? The confident expectation that God keeps his promises. If you're tired of hearing me say that, like, first of all, I don't know why you'd be tired of hearing that. But I just, I want us to have that in our heads, that that is what biblical hope is. And since we have the benefit of reading the words of the prophets and then reading the Gospels, Right? And seeing God fulfill his promises, it, uh, it fills us with that hope. And uh, when Jesus promises that he will return, we can believe his word. We expect him to keep his promise. And he expects us to wait faithfully. And uh, this week, our reading comes from Luke's gospel. Right? We're in the gospel. It's not the Old Testament. What are we going to do? <laughs> no. Um, the cool thing is that it's no less prophetic than what we've been reading, and um, it's kind of double cool. <laughs> I'm going to invent that right now. It's double cool because the people speaking prophetically in the verses are not people that I typically think of when I think of the word prophet. So our scripture reading starts at Luke 1. Uh, verse 39, where Mary, the mother of Jesus, visits her cousin Elizabeth. But, um, but first, let's get some context for, for this moment. Um, earlier in this chapter, uh, in verses 5 through 25, we're told that six months before Mary visits Elizabeth, an angel named Gabriel visits uh, Zechariah, a priest, as he was serving faithfully, at the temple, and we're told that Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth are both righteous before God, and they keep all of his commandments and laws. They're faithful. And we're also told that they are old. <laughs> They're old, and uh, they have no children. So the angel comes to Zechariah and says, hey, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will have a son. And, you know, you got to wonder, like, when did he pray that prayer? Like, is he still praying this prayer when they're old? I, I wouldn't, would you? 
I don't know. So if that's not shocking enough for an old man to hear, right, the angel continues, we've picked out a name for your son, by the way. Um, his name is John, and also he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, and he will prepare the people for the Lord their God. Right? It's a lot of unexpected news. Like, not only does he find out his wife will bear him a son, but the son will be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And will go before God in the Spirit and in the power of Elijah the prophet to prepare the people's hearts for the coming of the Lord. It's a lot. And Zechariah asks, but how? We're old. Um, and Gabriel's like, you know what? I came a very long way to bring you this good news, this promise from God, and you're doubting me, so I'm going to put you on mute so that you don't mess anything up between now and when your son is born. Peace out. <laughs> Obviously, I am paraphrasing. <laughs> but I mean, not by much. <laughs> Uh, in verse 24, we find out that faithful and righteous Zechariah and Elizabeth, they do get pregnant. And um, she is so humble and pleased. And she gives all credit to the Lord uh, for this blessing, which means that she will no longer be looked down upon by other people for being barren. I mean, you know how small towns are, right? We live in one. People talk. You know, poor old Elizabeth never had kids. I wonder what she did to deserve that. You know, it was a source of shame to be childless back then. They didn't treat it like a medical issue. It was like a sin issue or maybe like a spiritual issue. Um, but we're told that Elizabeth is righteous and blameless, right? Um... And yet she felt the reproach of the people. But now she's pregnant, and uh, she hides her pregnancy for five months. And it says in verse 25, that's important, that's a little important little detail, by the way, so pay attention. Um, and in verse 25, um, she says, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. And um, there is so much in this sentence. Okay, first of all, she gives credit to her Lord uh, for her miraculous pregnancy. And the second thing to notice is that she only just now feels like the Lord has looked and seen her. And thirdly, she knows that the townspeople have seen her and looked at her as a barren woman, as and unfortunate, you know. She's felt their eyes on her. But back to the second thing, uh, she only feels seen by God just now. So Im imagine that. Imagine being so faithful to God for your whole long life. Faithful and righteous enough to be mentioned in the Bible as being faithful and righteous, but you never felt seen by the God you were faithful to until you were too old for family. And she did not feel seen or favored by her God 
and yet she served him faithfully for her whole life. And if that isn't a whole Advent sermon, I don't know. I don't know a better one, right? That is a whole lesson in how to wait well. So the next thing that happens is uh, verses 26 through 38. Okay, it's six months later. And Gabriel, the angel, busy guy, he goes to young, unwed Mary and tells her that she has found favor with God and she will conceive and bear a son named Jesus. He is the Messiah and his kingdom will have no end. And uh, she asks, (laughs) but how? I'm a virgin. I'm not married yet. And he answers her in verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And then he tells her about another miraculous pregnancy. In verse 36, he says, Behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary gives a a very mature reply for such a young lady. She says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And it's no wonder that she found favor with God She's so humble. What would have been your response? You know? That would not have been my response. Whatever my response would have been, it would have ended up with the angel putting me on mute. (laughs) No question. So now Mary is stoked, okay? And she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And this makes perfect sense, okay? Because the angel has given her a way to test his words. Mary did not know that her old and barren cousin was pregnant. Remember, Elizabeth hid herself away for five months. So if Mary is having any kind of, did that just happen? Any of those kinds of thoughts, she can go and see for herself. That in fact, nothing is impossible with God. And this is where today's reading starts, at verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now, it's possible, right, that Elizabeth's pregnancy is showing at this point. I mean, it wouldn't be huge, but possible. But Mary's would not. Verse 41, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed 
that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Now, if Mary wasn't sure before, I bet she is now. And I wonder if Mary even knew she was pregnant yet. You know, I wonder if it's Elizabeth's spirit-filled blessings and her revelations that let Mary know that she's pregnant now. Elizabeth reveals these blessings to Mary, and she's so humble too. She says that Mary is carrying the Messiah. Why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She wonders at this honor, right? And her son, John the Baptist, will also wonder a very similar honor uh, when Jesus comes to him to be baptized, right? He says, I'm not even worthy enough to untie your shoe. Like, you should baptize me. I shouldn't be the one baptizing you. And Elizabeth ends her revelation saying, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And I can't figure out who the she is in that statement. Is she talking about Mary or herself? It applies to both. And I think it applies to all of us who believe that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to from our Lord. Jesus promises that he will return. And Mary responds to Elizabeth's miraculous pregnancy and blessing and revelation with a song of praise. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And it is such a beautiful praise of hope I don't want to pick this poem apart because I'm afraid it would ruin it somehow to talk about it. Like, you know, when you have to explain a joke to someone and it just kills the humor. I don't want to overanalyze this poem and kill the beauty.
But what I do want to talk about is how much gospel is in it, how much good news and how much hope. While Mary is pregnant with the gospel, she prophesies the gospel. And her poem is a proclamation of the good news of God's kingdom and redeeming victory. It's awesome. It's amazing. 30 or so years before Jesus and John the Baptist can preach, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Their moms are together and proclaiming the truths and the hope and the good news of God's kingdom coming into the world in mercy to lift the humble and scatter the proud, and to fill the hungry and empty the rich, to save his people, Israel, who he promised through Abraham and his offspring to be a blessing to all nations. Just like I couldn't tell if Elizabeth's blessing was for Mary or for herself, but that it can apply to both of them, and that it can apply to any of us who believe uh, in the fulfillment of what was spoken to us. I think the same applies to Mary's Magnificat. It's a song of hope that we can all sing and we can all pray. And we can all know that every word of it is gospel truth. I'll just say that again, yeah? It's a song of hope we can all sing we can all pray and know that every word of it is gospel truth. Mary had not yet held her baby. And she hadn't watched him grow up and hadn't seen his death and resurrection before she sang her gospel song. Uh, which means that we certainly shouldn't wait for Jesus to return before we sing ours. Yeah. Okay. Um, Mary's song isn't just a praise from her mouth, right? It's from her soul. She literally says that. Her soul magnifies the Lord, and her spirit rejoices in her Savior. So, I'm not sure when the last time I praised God with more than my mouth, you know, um, when did I last praise him with my soul? Like, what does that look like? I don't pretend to know. I know that when I am in my car singing with Beyonce, my best friend, <laughs> we're like this. Um, I'm all in. <laughs> and I'm not saying that big worship is the only way to tell if we're singing with our souls, okay? Don't, I'll never say that, and you know that. Um, but maybe it just means that when we hear and sing the gospel truth, the good news of God's kingdom and victory, maybe, um, maybe it means we're doing it while we're not thinking about what we're going to do next, right? We're not thinking about, I don't know, what we need to pick up at the store on the way home or thinking about last-minute Christmas gifts and menus. And I'm not saying any of this is easy, right? 
Liz, you're the worship pastor. Is this easy? It's not easy. Also, I knew what I was preaching about today. Okay. I still didn't worship with all of my soul and my spirit today. I actually was thinking about uh, making a grocery list in my head. Yeah. True confession. So it's not easy, but um, it is what we need to do while we wait for Jesus to fulfill his promise to return. Yeah. Now, Liz and Bruce did lead us today in worshiping our faces off. Um, but uh, let's, let's try it again. Let's do it one more time now uh, that we have uh, thought about it. And, uh, and if during the song uh, you think of other things, don't. Don't, don't hate yourself too bad on this. Don't at all, because uh, this is something we just need to practice. Um, so Liz, if you'll come back up, and uh, Bruce, and then we're going to have our litany that Karen has written for us. She's not here today, but she wrote us a litany anyway. It's a litany of love. It's awesome. And then we will share the Lord's Supper as family. And then if anyone needs any uh, prayer, we'll do ministry time on the green carpet. Let's pray. Father, you are holy and worthy to be worshipped. And Jesus, you are our redeemer and bringer of hope. And we wait for you. And Holy Spirit, our helper, will you help us to live our lives as righteously and obediently as Zechariah and Elizabeth? And will you come and fill us with blessing and revelation and good news of the gospel of God's kingdom so that we may sing it with our souls and our spirits and our mouths. And help us sing and believe and share this fulfillment of God's promise while we wait on this earth. Thank you. We love you, God. And we ask this in your name, Jesus, God with us. Amen.